scripture reading for today is from James chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it just shouldn't be this way. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Pam, for reading our scripture lesson. And again, um, our appreciation to our worship band. <clears throat> they just uh, seem to get better in their praise of God every week. We appreciate them so much. <clears throat> and at this time, as we prepare to hear God's word, I'm just going to invite you to center yourself and the space in God's presence. Let's pray together. Lord God, you've heard our voices lifted up to you. We praise you in this place, God. We just we seek to bless you. Because we long to be near. We long to, to be connected with you. The, the world that we live in, God, it is, it is so broken. We see that every time we turn our television sets on, every time we look at the news in any fashion, it's just, there's so much brokenness. And we know, God, that here we find light, we find hope, and we find a reason for living, and we're encouraged in our faith. So I just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit bless us in this moment so that we may become your vessels of hope and the darkness around us. God, teach us in this moment how to be vessels of hope and light through our words. So we offer ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are actually beginning a new series of sermons. We're going to be looking at the power of our words. Robin Williams once said, words and ideas can change the world. How true that is. Words have great power. They have the power to do amazing good, but they also have the power to do great evil. In the epistle of James that you heard read from today, if actually you look up in the first part of that chapter 3 there, you see that um, he likens our tongues to a... um, a rudder of a ship that steers that great ship, that tiny rudder, from one direction to the next. He also likens our tongues to a bit that's placed in a horse's mouth. And even though that horse is a giant animal, you got this little bitty bit that directs it in one direction or the other. He also likens our tongue to a spark that can ignite an entire forest fire and consumes acres and acres upon land. This is the power of our words, he says, in a negative sense. In the positive sense, he says that we have, with our words, the power to give great blessing, to encourage others, to build others up. Well-spoken words have the power to sustain a marriage. Poorly chosen words can destroy it. Words have been uh, the means of many wars that have been fought in our world, whereas also words have the power to be that means of peace. The rabbis in the Talmud used to say this. They said the tongue is such a powerful and destructive instrument that it has to be covered by two walls, the teeth and the lips. <laughs> right? 
how true that is. And today we're going to be talking about the power of our words as it, as it relates to our everyday lives. Uh, next week we're going to be looking at the power of our words and how they're able to create uh, families of, of harmony and uh, healthy families, or they can also be used to create um, dysfunctional and toxic families. The following week we're going to be looking at how our words have the power to unite us as a country or divide us. There's a lot of that going on right now. Then finally, we're going to look at the power of our words when it comes to our words to God, and more importantly, God's words to us. So that's where we're headed in the next few weeks together. Today, I want to focus on this passage that we had from Ephesians. This is such an important and wonderful verse. In fact, I want to encourage you to try to memorize this verse in the weeks ahead. You're going to be hearing it a lot today and in the the weeks ahead, too. Let's say this verse together. If we get that on the screen, let's say this together. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. What a powerful verse this is. And for a moment, I want to um, share with you, help you to understand this verse, the the context particularly. uh, This came out of a situation where Paul was sitting in a prison cell in Rome He's awaiting the outcome of his trial to know whether he's going to be executed or not. So he's, he's waiting in this prison cell to find out if he's going to live or die. And he then pins this letter to the church at Ephesus because he hears that the church at Ephesus is in conflict with one another. And in this letter, he pleads for unity. If you get to chapter 4, he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beg you, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling which you have been called. And then the rest of that letter, he's really talking about the use of their tongues and their words with one another. He, said, he tells them to be humble and to be gentle, to speak the truth, but to speak it in love. And then he says that to put away all falsehood, which indicates that they were not being honest with each other. He tells them not to sin when they become angry. Obviously, they were angry at each other. And so he, he's giving them all these admonishments what not to do. And then he comes to this wonderful verse that we just read. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And I want to try to unpack this verse for us this morning. Uh, when Paul says, let no evil talk come out of our mouths, what does he mean by evil? Well, the Greek word used there is sapros. And sapros literally means, it's, it talks about um, the food that is in your house that goes bad, the food that spoils in your house. I don't know if this has ever happened to you or not, but uh, recently I was cleaning out the refrigerator at our house and uh, tucked away in the very back of the refrigerator, I saw this Tupperware dish and um, I pulled it out and I couldn't tell from looking on the outside what it was, so I opened it. (laughs) It almost knocked me to the ground, you know, and and, uh, even the brief moment I had to look at it, I still couldn't tell what it was. You know, it had putrefied. It was just... Uh, just nasty beyond description. It deteriorated and, and uh, rotted. <clears throat> so uh, quickly, I put the lid on it, and I didn't even bother to try to save or wash out. The, 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 I just put the Tupperware dish in the trash can, took it outside, and said, we're done. But that's the picture I want you to have in your mind when it comes to this idea of sapros. Evil talk is disgusting. It is rotten. It is nasty. It is putrid. Uh, and to really look at what... Um, Paul was trying to, de- to describe here, you have to look at the second half of that verse, because in the second half of the verse, he's talking about the positive uh, uh, aspects of our words. So evil talk really is the opposite of that. He says, um, only use words that build others up. So evil talk 
would be words that tear others down. He says, um, may your words give grace to all who hear. So evil talk is words that are graceless, merciless, unkind words. Again, Paul's admonishing them not to use this kind of evil talk or talk against one another. And Paul and James, neither one of them would have had to write about this if this was not something that we didn't struggle with. We all struggle with the use of our tongues. Evil talk is something that human beings universally struggle with. And this starts at a very young age. For those of you who are teachers, you see this. I mean, we got a preschool here, and uh, we have, you have kindergarten. And even at that age, you'd be surprised what comes out of these children's mouths at times. I mean, it just it blows you away. And uh, I can remember as a um, child going through um, elementary school and being picked on and, and uh, harassed because, um, because I wore glasses. Now, today... Wearing glasses is kind of cool. But in my day, <clears throat> wearing glasses was an object of ridicule. I mean, every day I had to hear it. Oh, here comes old four eyes, you know, four eyes, this and that. So I hated that. And then <clears throat> I was also picked on because I was a preacher's kid. Now, preacher's kids often are held to a kind of a different standard, and they think that they're different. Um, but we're not really different. We just want to fit in like everybody else. Um, but I used to always hate it when people found out that I was a new preacher kid in town because then they start treating me differently. I had a friend who was, had red hair, and uh, they always teased him by calling him Carrot Top or, or Carrot Head. And most of us were teased for something uh, growing up in school. Um, then you get to junior high. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But at the time when you're most vulnerable, your body's changing, the guys, our voices are changing and stuff, and we're just picked on relentlessly, it is a miracle if anybody comes out of junior high with any kind of self-esteem. It, it really is. It's just a cruel time of life. <clears throat> but some kids get a lot worse them being called four eyes and carrot top. Um, I remember one of my friends who, he came from a very poor family. His mother was trying to raise him along with several other brothers and sisters all by herself. So she didn't have money to buy new clothes for them. And most of them were hand-me-downs. And a lot of the time he'd come to school wearing clothes that didn't fit, too small for him or whatever. And he just got picked on, unmerciful. Always just harassing him and bullying him. And, you know, bullying is a big problem in our schools today. And nowadays, it's cyberbullying that becomes the preferred way to pick on and, and bully other kids. And many of the teenagers that you hear about have, who have committed suicide in the news are often experienced this uh, cyberbullying. The 13-year-old boy who received a text message from one of the uh, popular girls in the school saying he was, she thought he was cute. How awesome is that? You're 13 years old, a boy, and you get this text message from one of the prettiest girls in school saying she thinks you're cute. And so they begin to text each other, he thinking that she really liked him, so he shared some personal things about his life. All the while, she was just showing that to her friends, and they were laughing at him. She then finally shared that with some of her friends at school, and people around there began to circulate it. And, you know, after that, he's, he's just picked on every time he walked into school harassed about this, embarrassed about it. Finally, he said, I just can't take the humiliation anymore. And he killed himself. Or the boy he was caught in his most embarrassing moment was caught captured on video. And the other kids began to circulate it on social media. And every day he'd come to school being harassed about this embarrassing thing that he did. So finally he says, I just can't take it anymore. Your words have power. Words have the power to crush others. They have the power to leave people feeling as though they don't have any hope. And what I really want to say to 
the children, the youth that are here today, is that Jesus is calling you not to be like those other kids. Jesus is calling you to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Jesus is calling you not to be one of those who's out there bullying or teasing or harassing other kids. And when I think about this use of our words, I'm reminded of Jesus' words when he says, what fills the heart comes out of the mouth. Another translation says, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. In other words, what comes out of our mouths is really a sign of what's going on inside of our hearts. Um, When you're criticizing others and when you're putting others down, often that's because you really don't feel good in yourself. I mean, the way that we tend to make ourselves feel better is by comparing ourselves to others or criticizing or putting others down. But that's really a sign that there's something wrong inside of us. It's not that something's wrong in that person we're trying to criticize or put down. So Jesus says, what fills the heart comes out of the mouth. Good people bring out good things from their good treasure, but evil people bring out evil things from their evil treasure. I tell you that people will have to answer on judgment day for every useless word they speak. By your words, you will be either judged innocent or condemned as guilty. This is from the one before whom we will all stand one day saying this. And I just want to say to those of you who are being bullied and those of you who are being picked on and harassed, and this this is not limited just to kids in school, because I know of a lot of adults who are bullied and picked on as well. What I want to say to you is that if this is something you're experiencing, then you've got to recognize there's always hope to hang on to. There's always hope to hang on to. <clears throat> you, if you're one of those who is, is wrestling with this idea of ending your life over being bullied or, 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 or harassed in life, and you know we have a lot of kids and our youth in our own church right now who have experienced this recently, and some who are going through that even as adults. If you're feeling that, then what I want to encourage you to do is to talk to somebody. If you're a young person, talk to your parent. If you can't talk to your parent, talk to your guidance counselor. Talk to your, our youth director. Talk to our children's director. Talk to somebody and get the help that you need. Because here's the thing. Um, you, 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 um, you have a great life ahead of you. And you just can't see it right now because you're under all this stuff. But it feels like it's overwhelming to you. But it's not going to last forever. It's not going to be that way forever. You will get through this, and you will make it. That's a hope you have to hold on to. Here's something else. Having been one that was bullied and, and uh, picked on at school for various things, you know, those kids, most of those kids who were the meanest in school, they tend to really amount to nothing in their life because nobody wants to hang around or to be employed by somebody who's a bully. And those kids who were picked on and harassed, those are the ones who develop a heart of compassion for others. And they begin to be leaders in their own fields. There's tons of examples about this um, from people who are famous. Uh, Justin Timberlake, <clears throat> he was picked on. He was called a sissy growing up because he was more interested in, uh, in uh, the arts than he was in sports. But I love what he says about this. He said, <clears throat> I was an outcast in a lot of ways, but the very thing that you get picked on when you're young is what's going to make you sexy when you get older. (laughs) Kind of like that. Uh, Michael Phelps, uh, winner of 22 uh, Olympic gold medals, says he was picked on unmercifully while he was growing up in school because of his lisp and his big ears. But now when he goes to his hometown, 
those kids who are bullying him, picking on him, are still busting tables at the local restaurant, and they all come to him and want his autograph. <laughs> but see, there's always hope to hold on to. This difficult time that you're going through in your life right now, it's not going to last forever. You will make it through it. And here's the thing. All those hardships and that difficulty that you're going through, later on in life it ends up producing something great and amazing in your life. I know you can't see that now, but it does. So hang in there. Hold on to hope. Get the help you need if you're really struggling with this. As I said, this isn't just limited to um, kids in school. This uh, idea of evil talk (laughs) follows us through adulthood as well. And evil talk for us as adults happens in a lot of different ways. Uh, Evil talk is to diminish or defame other people, their character. Slander is when you do this maliciously. But the other ways we do this is through gossip, through backbiting and with each other. Adults do that a lot. Uh, It's interesting that St. Thomas Aquinas called these mortal sins. I mean, he puts these sins in the category of those sins that lead to eternal death. Because he says in the process of denigrating other people, you are separating yourself from the spirit of God that is meant to be at work in you. And sometimes we do this without even noticing that we're doing it. And sometimes it's become almost second nature for, for some of us. Like um, it's when we tell you, you tell your friend about somebody else. And your friend has never met this person you're talking about. Um, and you say something about them. Uh, but whatever you say about them sticks. <laughs> it's like I tell you, you know, Joe is a really nice guy. And you've never met Joe. But... When you think of Joe now, you think he's a really nice guy because I told you he's a really nice guy. It kind of sticks with him. But what if I'd have said, hey, Joe is a really nice guy, but he's someone that you really can't depend on. I mean, he just doesn't seem to follow through with a lot of stuff that he says he's going to do. Now, you've never met Joe, but what are you thinking about Joe? What's your opinion of him? Um, perhaps you end up uh, interviewing Joe for a job. It's going to be really hard for you to erase this opinion you have of him based on what I told you, that he's someone that you can't count on. You see, I didn't intend for that to be the case. I didn't mean to defame his character or to take anything away from his character, but that's exactly what I did. Uh, Here's the thing, something you need to keep in mind. When you're talking about somebody else and you say something nice about them, anything after the but is usually a sin. So we have to be really careful what we say about people after the but. Because we don't want to be guilty of spreading information about people that um, you know, prejudices others' opinion of them. We don't want people doing that to us, so we shouldn't do that to other people. The Bible refers to this as gossip. It calls this um, sharing false information. And again, this is something that we all struggle with to some degree because we love to tell stories about other people, right? And if it's a good story, a positive story, then that's, that's a good thing. But some of us delight in telling stories about others. That aren't so positive. I love the story <clears throat> told about St. Philip Neri, <clears throat> the 16th century priest who had a woman come to him for confession. <clears throat> and um, she had been gossiping about people in town and had come back to her and <clears throat> she was feeling guilty about that. So she went to confession and she uh, says, Father, I've, I've sinned. I've been um, gossiping about people and I want to be forgiven. What's my penance? And he tells her, I want you to go home and get a pillow from your house and bring it to me kind of perplexed about that. She says, okay. So she goes home. She gets a pillow, brings it to him, says, now come up with me to the top of the bell tower. 
Okay, so she follows him up to the top of the bell tower. He says, I want you to rip open your pillow, take all the feathers out, and throw them into the wind from the top of the bell tower. Okay, so she does this. She tears the pillow open. She throws the feathers everywhere. The wind takes it and blows it all over town. And then he says, now I want you to go pick up all of those feathers. He says, well, that's impossible. He says, that's exactly my point. Your gossip has spread throughout this entire town. There's absolutely no way you can ever take it back. Suddenly, she was able to come to that point of true repentance, recognizing the damage of her words, and was able to find forgiveness. Let me ask you, do you ever speak uncharitably about others? Do you ever say things after the but that are not positive about other people? Have you been guilty of speaking harsh words that bring pain to others, words that tear others down. And if so, then God's word to you this day is let no evil talk come out of your mouths. So Paul teaches us what we are not to say, the evil talk, but he also teaches us the things that we are to say. He says, let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. The Greek word that's used here really is a word that is the same when you talk about the building of a building. You know, to build up is the building of a building, the same word. And here I think of a hammer. Our tongue is it's kind of like a hammer. It has the ability to tear things down, or it also has the ability to build something magnificent. And this is what we are to be about every day as Christians. We are to be about building others up through our words as there is need. I guarantee you that there are people all around you every day who have been torn down most of their lives and they're in need of words that build them up. I promise you that every day. Here's the the picture that I have as I was looking at this. I said, you know, on Sunday morning, we average between 225 to 250 people every Sunday between our two services. And, you know, if we would all... Uh, we, we could make a tremendous positive difference here in this community and, and around if we would just commit ourselves to this thing of letting no evil talk come out of our mouths, but only using words that build others up, that we'd be committed and intentional about building others up and blessing others, encouraging others with our words. I, I just we, we could really make a, a big difference if we made that our life's mission. Here's the deal. God isn't calling you to go to Africa or to some third world country to save him. He just wants you to give your tongue to Jesus and to use it to build others up every day. Uh, This really doesn't sound so far-fetched to me that we could make a powerful difference in our community here, in our schools, in our families, and in this broken world that we live in if we would just commit ourselves every day to letting no evil talk come out of our mouth, but only words that are useful for building up as need, offering grace to others. If we made that our prayer every day, God, use me today. Use the words that I speak to build others up, not to tear other people down. That leads me to a story that I'm going to close with this morning. It's a true story about a woman named Audrey Hunt. who um, She's actually a vocal coach and uh, teaches music in California right now. She, At the time when this uh, story happened, she was uh, teaching in a community college. And she tells a story about a boy named Edward who attended her class one semester. Edward um, always came to class looking kind of poorly kept, 
he was a loner. He didn't associate with other kids very much. He, um, he just uh, struggled, it seemed, always kind of had a sad demeanor about him. And she knew something was going on in his life, but she just didn't know what it was. She tried to engage him, but um, he didn't respond very much. Whenever she would encourage him um, about his grades or about his study habits, that would help a little bit, but he was still failing. When it came to the end of the semester, when they were to have their final exam, she knew that he was probably going to score like a D on his exam, if, if that, unless he really surprised her. <clears throat> and she was really worried about what giving him a D was going to do to him with his poor self-esteem. And so she graded all the tests after the exam, and sure enough, he made a D. She had told all the students to come back that next Tuesday of the week after to come get their grades and come get their uh, paper, final exam papers. And all day she was dreading meeting with Edward. She said that the kids all lined up in the hall waiting their turn. Every time she'd come out to get another student, she'd look to see if Edward was in the hall, but he wasn't. After all of the students had come, she looked out and he's still not there. So she began to pack up her stuff and then walked Edward. Before she could say anything, he said, Miss Hunt, I'm sorry. I know I've been a bad student all year. I know I'm stupid. I know I made a bad grade on the exam, and you probably were embarrassed to have me even in your class. She said as she, she listened to him speak about himself in this way, her heart just broke. She wanted to reach out and just hug him and cry. And then she said she did something that she's never done before or since. She looked at Edward and she said, Edward, you made an A in my class. He was stunned. He said, Miss Hunt, I didn't make an A in your class. She said, Edward, you may be a D student in this class, but you are an A human being. And I see great potential in you, and I believe in you. Then she said, Edward, I also love you. He left very different from that place. Later that night, she said she got a phone call from the priest of the local parish. And he, it was in the middle of the night. He said, I, I hate to wake you up in the middle of the night, but I just had to call you. He said, whatever it was that you said to Edward this afternoon changed the course of his life. And then he told her how he had been called to Edward's house by the parents because they had found a note on his pillow. And this is what the note said. To my family, I'm sorry I could not be the kind of son and brother you wanted me to be. All I ever wanted was to be loved. I'm sorry for being unlovable. I will go now. You will find me in the closet. I'm sorry for any inconvenience I have caused you. Have my body cremated. In the closet they found a noose that he had hung there to hang himself. But the priest told her, he said, Miss Hunt, he says now that he's decided that he wants to live because of what you said to him this afternoon in your office. The story is now that he's um, a successful dentist. He's married with four children. But all of that happened through the power of words by someone who was paying attention and chose to use her words to build up as there was a need and to offer grace to the one who would hear. My hope is that we would leave this place today saying, I want to be that kind of Christian. 
Now, Christians talk a lot about giving their hearts to Jesus. I'm encouraging you today to give your tongue to Jesus. To allow Jesus to use the words of your mouth to build up, to bring courage and hope to others. In fact, let's close our time together by reciting these words together of our verse today. Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Pray with me. Oh God, we confess that too often we have used our words thoughtlessly and carelessly. Sometimes our own insecurities have led us to say harsh and hurtful things about others. Sometimes the, the anger and the darkness within us lead us to tear others down, diminish their character. Please forgive us. Help us to give you not only our hearts today, but our, our tongues. I pray that you would fill us all in this place with your Holy Spirit so that when we leave here today, we might go forth using our words to give grace to all that hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That spirit that I invite you to prepare yourself to come to the Lord's table. We acknowledge that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that we are in need of God's grace. And in this sacrament, we remember how God looked at our brokenness. And he found a way to cleanse us of our unrighteousness to forgive us and make us whole. And today we remember how Jesus died upon the cross. Before he did, he instituted a way for us to remember and to celebrate and to experience his grace. We remember how he gathered with his disciples in an upper room and he took bread. After blessing it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. We remember how he also took a cup. And after blessing it, he gave it to his disciples saying, Drink from this, all of you. For this represents my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, we remember, we celebrate, we give thanks for God's grace. Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask you to pour out the blessings of your Holy Spirit upon these elements of bread and the fruit of the vine. That as we partake of them, they become for us the body and blood of Christ. That we become the body and blood of Christ for this world. That we become that light in the darkness, that, that word of hope and encouragement to others. So God, unite us in our love for you and our love for the, to serve you in this world. Until that day when we gather with you around that heavenly banquet and we can celebrate together, Lord. But until then, use us. Forgive us. We offer ourselves to you in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ask those who are going to be assisting me to come forward.